Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and I am here today with Daryl Glanville and Marty Glanville, and they are partners at Sunrise Flour Mill. And boy, you guys, I think the first time I ran across your products was maybe a couple of years ago in one of the grocery stores up in Ely, Minnesota at Zups. Is that possible? That's yeah, right. Possible. possible yeah. Yes. Yes. I think I came across your flour. I'm trying to think because I have a bag of it and it's delicious and I use it for pizza flour. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, maybe at Mill City Farmer's Market. Or could it be the Golden Fig? Not yet. Okay, so somewhere along the line, I came across your flower and your heritage grains that you guys are, are you growing the grains or are you just milling the grains? No, we, we, buy, we buy from farmers. We, we source farmers uh, all over uh, as close as we can. But because of the wheat that we grow, I mean, that we mill, uh, we have to go out into those drier states into Kansas and Nebraska to get the supply we need now. Were you bread bakers or how did you get into milling flour? It's kind of a specialty thing. Yeah, it's totally amateurish and totally, uh, you know, interest in good food, I think. Uh, In our previous work endeavors, we've traveled a lot, spent a lot of time in Europe and and the, the, the bread is so dramatically different there. It kind of sticks in your brain, like, why can't we do this over here? So. I tried to bake bread and then we started figuring out that maybe the flour was the problem and not me. And uh, so we started <laughs> milling our own flour and uh, that is what led us to Sunrise Flour Mill, I guess. So there is this idea that a lot of the wheat and gluten allergies that people have developed or think they've developed over the last 20 years perhaps could be because of all the modified wheat and there are people that are gluten-free that are finding that some of these heritage grains really work better for them. Is that an experience that you guys have had? Every day. Now that we're, now that we've got so many customers, uh, we, we experience it almost every day where people make that explanation that, that um, the, uh, you know, a typical one, when Marty's at the, at the Mill City market, almost every time someone will come by and say, Hey, I was in Europe. And could eat all their flour and bread over there. But when I came back here, it's kind of tough on my tummy. And so uh, that's a big thrust of ours in terms of why we use heritage wheat. What's the difference? Well, you know, it's, it's hard and there's very little scientific evidence. People are starting to probe it a little bit scientifically. You know, we have literally thousands of people that have made the statement that they feel it's more easily digested. So anecdotal evidence prevails with us. And myself, you know, I, I was gluten intolerant. I went through the whole gluten-free thing um, and um, a lot of uh, medical examinations and that sort of stuff and went gluten-free and, and found that it was, it was very helpful, but I couldn't uh, enjoy bread anymore. And that, that, was, that was not good. And, and uh, a friend of mine finally put us on to heritage wheat. And we started ma- baking with einkorn and spelt and those uh, common ancient grains that people kind of know about and uh, we could eat it, but um, it was pretty heavy stuff. And I didn't think I liked the baking qualities that was. So we, we kept looking and a friend of ours put us on to Turkey red, which is a, which is a version of wheat that was grown in the bread basket of the United States for about 75 years from late 1800s to about the early 1940s or fifties. And um, so we found some of that and baked with it. And uh, that's why we focus on Turkey red. Now we find it the uh, great baking flour. So uh, that's, that was the, the, the lineage and, and heritage wheat, you know, it's, 
it, it almost needs a definition because everyone has a definition. Our definition of heritage wheat is wheat that has not been hybrid in the 40s and 50s for yield. That's what happened to most of the wheat. It was the late 40s, early 50s. Norman Borlaug, University of Minnesota, did wonderful work with wheat, increased the yield by tremendous amounts, but we feel it changed the digestibility a little bit. And that's that was the, the, one of the things that we we find that we pursue, I guess. And uh, another thing is that the, the, the lack of sourdough baking kind of went out of vogue in those years from the 50s on without everyone too busy. And uh, we're getting back to that now. And sourdough certainly makes makes any bread more, solid, more, more digestible. Yeah. Talk about sourdough since the pandemic has occurred. Everybody and their mother is making sourdough breads and really experiencing a renaissance to some of the way that our ancestors cooked, right? Yeah, we give sourdough away every Saturday that we're at Mill City Farmer's Market. We give samples of our sourdough away. And uh, the lore involving our sourdough or the story is on our website. And there's always a story behind it, whether it's true or not, who knows, hey? But uh, we go with it. We, We promote sourdough. I hesitate to say this, but we're mailing it now to our online customers because we've been able to freeze dry the sourdough, the starter, so we're so we can mail it in our packages as as they as they purchase something. I hesitate to say it because the last time we stated that we, we were going to give some free sourdough starter online, we made a statement and then it crashed our website. So, <laughs> well, I secretly so. kind of hope we crash your website again, just because that means we have a lot of listeners, right? Yes. <laughs> Freeze-drying sourdough is something that people are kind of rediscovering, too, that you can freeze it and then reactivate it. Is it hard? Well, freeze-drying is a, you know, a, a, they're, they're, they're starting to make freeze-drying available for, for, for home use. There's a little unit people can buy, but it's traditionally been a, been a commercial kind of thing where you freeze-dry food. Uh, most of the freeze-dry food that goes in, most of the food that goes into the boundary waters is freeze-dried in those little packets that you add water to. And it's good. Uh, you know, we we stumbled. We've been working to try to dry it for several years using our food dehydrator and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I it, saw that it, it works to some extent. Yeah, it works to some extent. But uh, during the stay-at-home um, um, time a few months ago, one of our customers was so bored that he bought a a, a freeze-dry unit for his home and had his kids go through this whole learning experience of things they could freeze dry. And uh, he reached out to me and said, hey, let's try and freeze dry some of this sourdough. And so that's how we started. And and, um, and so this is a finished freeze drying machine, which actually varies the temperature from like 100 degrees to like 40 below difference. And I don't understand it completely, but it, it virtually takes the water from the uh, solid state right to a vapor without trans- transposing it into a liquid. I think that's freeze drying, if I understand it correctly. But what I do, what I do know, it works pretty well with our, with our, with our starter. So we're 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 doing more of that. Have you guys had to expand your online business since the pandemic and selling online? Yeah, a lot. It's been a lot. It's it's been uh, um, a big increase in our business. Let's just say. Has it been hard to set up? And did you have to learn all new skills or hire someone to do it for you? New expense? Yes, we've hired. Um, several full-time employees and maybe 10 or 12 part-time employees since the first of the year. So, uh, and uh, a lot of that's, you know, part of that is, uh, well, there's expertise in several areas, but uh, the IT part of it was certainly something that Marty and I were, were too old to know this stuff uh, well enough to, to, to do things on the, uh, on the internet. And so we've had uh, a, a great hire with that. 
and the production manager that's been great and shipping manager that's been great. So uh, that's kind of the focal point of our, of our of our little business now. We've been very fortunate to get people to work for us. The, the pandemic hit at a time when we could, you know, we got high school kids to help us pack with packaging. And we were fortunate enough to have enough inventory and access to grain to get us through a big bulge in, in, in sales. Because it sounds like you guys probably doubled, tripled, quadrupled pretty much overnight. Yep, in a matter of two or three months. We're hitting, Daryl, my projections that I made for our two or three year experience that I put put together a while back. I think we're into the third year where I thought we would be three years from now. That's pretty exciting. And you're one of the few people that has maybe a good pandemic story. Yes, unfortunately, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been terrible for, you know, for forever, for all of us and heartwarming for us to be able to at least reach out to people and give them a little bit of comfort via the mail and, and UPS, I guess. And so, you know, we have customers in every state in the in, in the in the union in the, in, the, in the in the United States now, all fifty states, and um, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And we used to have some overseas, uh, but we have not. Shipping's too shipping much. is just is just terrible. But we used to have a few people in Sweden and Denmark and, and England. But uh, we cover a, a pretty wide base now. When I think about milling grain, do you literally like have a stone in the backyard? I mean, how are you doing this? <laughs> Well, we have we have uh, we have a rather unique mill. Uh, Marty and I spent a lot of time researching mills before we finally bought a mill. We spent time in Sweden and Denmark looking at a lot of stone mills. About the time we were doing that, I, we stumbled across a, a, a very unique mill called Unifine Mill, and it's not a stone mill. It's a high impact mill that. Um, grinds it flour quite a bit finer than stone milling, and we found that desirable. So uh, we, we, we landed one of the uh, five unifying mills that were in existence in the United States. And so that's our primary mill. So that's our, that's our whole wheat uh, flour, our whole wheat bread flour, and our whole wheat pastry flour uh, are both a unifying mill. And it, 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 it makes the, the, the brand so fine that it makes for lighter baking with whole wheats. It's interesting that you say that because having used the product, at first it was kind of confusing because it was so fine. And I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what the end result was going to be because it felt like the feel of it was like a white flour almost. Mm-hmm. And we were using it for pizza dough, actually. And my husband was like, are you sure this flour is going to work? And it did. It worked beautifully. And it was, I think, the when you say light, weed is always known as sort of like being heavier. And it was. It was ethereal. It was light. It was delicious. It was easy. It was great dough to work with. It was super elastic, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. enjoyable um, yeah, product so that's, from that standpoint. Yeah. So that's our that's our primary whole wheat uh, mill that we use, and um, um, we're, we're still exploring. It. One of the items on my list of things I want to explore is rye. Is, is always is always interesting to people. And uh, you know, as we've as we've uh, grown the business and learned about baking, uh, rye has not been on the front burner for for me. So I, I I don't pretend to know a ton about rye, but I'm learning about it. And and uh, so if there's anyone out there that's interested in very fine rye, I'd like to talk to them about it because uh, that would be a, a, a product that we could um, mill through our unifying mill and and create a fine rye. And fine fine means that you're able to add more water to your dough. 
and that's a desirable baking characteristic. I know that. So that's that'll be one of our our, our projects this this um, this winter is to grind some uh, rye in our in our in our uh, unified mill. Is the plan to expand through more markets or to try to do more grocery and front facing retail? It's a tough question, my friend, because um, uh, I, I'm not into seeing how big I can build this little flour mill. I, I think we're more into seeing how excellent we can make it and how efficient we can get and how effectively we can reach the home baker, which is really our, our focus. So I don't know what an optimum size is, but uh, uh, we're looking at expansion. We're going to have to do some things because we're busting at the seams a little bit. But uh, but uh, I, I, I'm not going to compete with big flour mills. We will always have unique, high-quality products. We've had some, some people uh, wanting to carry our flour from some small specialty markets around the country. So uh, we're not looking for you know big grocery store chains or anything like that. Um, we're working with one in California right now that has about eight stores, I think. We're in most of the co-ops around the five-state area. So we don't we don't want to grow faster than we're able to keep up with the production. We're also we have three pastas right now that that we're just introducing and we're going to do some more shapes in the future. We have some mixes that we're going to launch after the first of the year that Daryl's been working on scones and bran muffins and biscuits. So that's kind of the direction that we're going in our growth pattern. We like, we like the idea of doing value added products with our flour, like pasta and like the mixes. So, uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the direction we're looking at. Is the pasta going to be dried or fresh? Uh, It's dried. We're doing that now with, with temporary packaging and the pasta is great. The packaging is not so great. It'll be the new but packaging the, will be here next week. But the new packaging will be coming out soon, and I hope that that will get, we'll get that into co-op partners as well, which will make it available to all of, of the uh, of the uh, co-ops. co-ops around the five state area. So, and and co-op partners just to, just to clarify it, they've they've had our flour in uh, in the bulk section for several years now, and uh, we've just finally finished our retail packaging for our flour in two and a half pounds and five pounds. And co-op partners is just starting to put that in. Remind your co-op to have a look at that if you if you uh, think of it when you're in the co-op because uh, retail packaging will be available to them in November. That's exciting. And Marty, do you do primarily the sales aspects of this? Actually, my job, my role has. I used to do all the production. Uh, seven, eight months ago, I was doing all the production with a few hours a week help from another person. And now we have an entire production department. So I'm not doing that anymore. I've been focusing on social media and uh, customer service. And that's really gotten a little bit out of hand. So we've just hired somebody to to do that. And my goal is to not work every day. (laughs) Daryl and I are in our second careers. We both had retired about 15 years ago. So we're ready to sort of sort of retire again. But we have great people working for us. Our general manager is phenomenal. He has a background in online sales. So that's been really wonderful for us. And so it's interesting. We, we get lots of questions uh, from b- machine bread makers. Can they use our flour in, in bread machines? And they can, but we don't have any experience with that. So just before this call started, FedEx came and brought me my new bread machine that I just ordered. So I'm going to spend time playing around with that and learn how to bake bread in a bread machine. 
I love that you talked about retirement and that this is sort of a second act for you. What did you do in your first act, both of you? Well, I was a special ed teacher in Minneapolis for 30 years, and Daryl had a much more varied background. I taught for as long as I could afford it. That was only a few <laughs> years after college, and I was a business major. And after that, I I, uh, uh, I was a salesman, and I started a little manufacturing rep company, and uh, eventually bought a bought in with partners into a small biotech company in Milwaukee. And so we fermented friendly bacteria. So, uh, uh, and we did that for a few years, and uh, that's what I retired from heck, about 25 years, 20 years ago, yeah. at, least, at least 20 years ago. And I was happily retired for about five or six years or eight years until we started grinding this wheat in our garage. <laughs> and uh, so be careful what you, you hook up with here. Because I think that's one of the things that I see a lot is entrepreneurial people, people that like sales, people that like marketing they retire, but it doesn't stick for very long. They end up with some hobby that then becomes a business. And it sounds like kind of that's maybe what happened here. Yes, yes, yes. That is. And and actually, it's interesting because we both liked what we were doing before, but we found that this is our passion. And we probably weren't ready to do it before, but I have several friends who have also found their passions in retirement, which I think is kind of interesting, but um, it never seems like a chore. It's always fun. It's always interesting. We learn new things. We've been studying wheat for 15 years. We learn new things all the time. We learn a lot from our customers. So people keep trying to tell us that we're the experts and we're not necessarily the experts. We have a lot of knowledge, but there are a lot of people out there who who also have a lot of knowledge, who help us a lot. That's one reason I love still going to Mill City Farmers Market is because our our customers always want to tell us stories. They want to tell us what they've made. And sometimes they even bring us treats and and they tell us, you know, this is what I found that worked in doing this. And um, so, yeah, it's just, it's really great. I have people I consider friends that I've never met they're online before before the pandemic hit all the orders came through me as an email and so i would have email conversations with some of these people i miss that but that's one of the one of the downsides of getting bigger but i still love doing customer service and i'll i'll continue to do part of that i love that well thank you guys so much for sharing your story today people can order the flower online at sunriseflowermill.com and then you will be at the mill city farmers market are you going to do a winter market this year um i'm too old to stand out in the cold because the cold Yeah, Mill City can't be inside the museum this winter, the market. And so it's going to be an outdoor market. And so I've regrettably given that up and I'll be back in the spring. All right. So we'll find you guys online and then see you next spring at Mill City. Sounds good. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.